Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Bloody Angola, a podcast 142 years in the making. The complete story of America's bloodiest prison. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And y'all, you did it. Whoop, Best whoop. fans in the world. Hey, the, it's kind of sweet, right? One, our one-year anniversary right around there. Yep. And y'all did it because you took the time to go vote for the People's Choice Podcast Awards. And Bloody Angola has made it in the top 10 in the world, top 10 finalists for the awards, for the People's Choice Podcast Awards. And we want to thank y'all. And I want to remind you, when you signed up, they had a, a box where you, you would check if you – would be willing to be a finalist judge. So now, now that we made the finals, it goes to, I think they take like 20,000 out of the millions that voted. Um, and they're going to send them emails. And if you get that email, y'all check your spam, spam or check each whatever, whatever yeah, email. Sometimes they'll go to yeah. the spam folders. I know that even in my personal case, uh, podcast awards was sending me emails. And when I couldn't find them, I checked my spam folders and there they were. So it's a mass, you know, when they send out these emails from websites like that, sometimes if you have Google mail or something, it'll end up sending it to your spam. So check that. So yeah, yeah. Check this. I I would think by Sunday, they would have sent them all out. Maybe, maybe begin next week. We'll we'll let you know on next week episode. We want to thank you again. It's a real honor. It's a real it just indicates what we do. Yeah. Um, and and we love y'all and we appreciate you. Now, our patron members, uh, we want to thank y'all. And and thank you for your continued support. And, and we just love you to pieces. And what we're going to do today is we are going to take a episode out of the Patreon vault. Now, Everybody that's not a Patreon member, you're going to get one of our best. I think, Jim, that our best episodes are locked up. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and uh, we're going to take one of these out and play it for everybody. The Patreon members, don't you worry. You know, we we certainly give more than I give on Real Life or Crime. But next week, we're going to give you all a double up. So to replace the one that you had. And we'll give you another one. How about that? And That's so, right. but we we want everybody to enjoy this episode. And I know if you can't be a patron member, times are hard and everything else. And, and we get that, but they get a lot of benefits and um, com- commercial free, early, free releases, early releases, transcripts, transcripts. If you want things, the bonus, bonus episodes. episodes. And, and we have a, I don't know. How many bonus episodes we have locked up? It's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a lot. It's at least 12 to 15. Yeah, it's a lot. And, and, and considering <laughs> I have on, on in the 20s and yeah. for uh, Real Life, Real Crime. So want everybody to enjoy it. And and we appreciate and love each and every one of you. And, and so stay those. tuned for this. This is, like Woody said, one of the locked up episodes for our patrons, if you like what you hear and you're able to help support, please do so. Yep. And and don't forget, y'all, if you vote it, check your emails and go in and give us the, the fi- final vote for Bloody Angola and the history. And for Real Life Real Crime, we we got the uh, made the finals for the Advent Curry's People's Choice. Um, 
best male host, drama and storytelling, and true crime. And we want to also mention that Kelly Jennings Unspeakable made the top 10 for true crime also. So if you want to vote for her, y'all give her a vote. She's fire, and, and she's been on this show numerous times. That's right. All right. Well, love y'all, and hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Bloody Angola, a podcast 142 years in the making. Complete story of America's bloodiest prison. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. And we have a special guest. Yes, we do. I'm very special. You are. My mama told me so. <laughs> <laughs> it it's is. The famous Kelly Jennings, of the host of Unspeakable. And today is a special patron only episode. Patreon members. Love y'all. You're the best in the world. Thank you for helping this show run. We 
just concluded probably the best series Love ever on series. the famous Warden Burl Kane. And today we're just going to freestyle a little bit. Um, yeah. KJ worked for Burl. I worked for Burl. And we're just we're going to talk about him a little bit and give you all a little knowledge from the college. Well, let's, let's go around and we'll start with Kelly. Let's just give us your experience with uh, Angola. Sure. So um, I was a college kid. I was about to graduate, and there was a warden there, Kathy Fontenot, <laughs> and um, tea tiny little spitfire of a thing came and spoke to my college class, and uh, I was really intrigued by her. I've always int- been intrigued by crime. So um, I asked her about working at Angola to my mother's horror, and she said, well, hey, come on by. We'll, we'll give you a tour, and that happened. I got a private tour. I was hooked, and I was hired shortly thereafter. How old were you? 23. And tell us the first time about uh, when you met Burl. So, you know, he's kind of a legend, um, like the myth, the man, the legend. I can tell you I was kind of, if I'm being honest, I was kind of, struck when I saw him because he wasn't what I expected. You know, in the right. movies, when you see a warden, I'm thinking Shawshank Redemption, right. the guy right. on top of the roof with the, right. you know, with the tough jaw and telling people what to do. And he walked in, he was like Santa Claus, you know, he's this round yeah. little guy. Yeah. And uh, at that time, he's lost a lot of weight now, but yeah. he was this round fella and um, that white hair. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I can't believe this is the Burl Kane. Right. Um, and so he was very nice, very um, cordial, very – he did not have the air of I'm in charge about him. It was like you were just meeting somebody, and right. um, I like that. You know, he, did, he wasn't imposing, but yeah. you knew better. Right. You know, that's right. that's Warden 1, and any time on the radio you heard Warden 1, shut up, yep. listen, yep. which was not That was awful. Burl Kane's that, call sign, I guess right. you could say? Right. Warden, right. One. Warden, Warden 1. Warden 1. Warden 1, and – I was scared to talk on the radio because I, like, <laughs> I don't yeah, want anybody to know who I am. <laughs> Lay low. But, um, you know, I had a, I'll, you know, I didn't spend a whole lot of time with Warden Kane. However, um, I did have interactions with him at points in time. And I just it, my respect for him was through the roof um, for the way he handled things. And I was in awe of it's like I wanted to learn more about watching how calm he remained in right. situations that I would have been like. What the fuck? You know, right. but I was young, you know, yeah. um, I'm almost 40 now. I was 23 then. What well, year was a good that? thing. I'm sorry. What year? 2008, nine. Yeah. So I met him for the first time in 1991 or maybe 1990 when I went to work for DCI, Dixon mm-hmm. Correctional Institute. And he was the warden there before he went on to Angola. And I met him briefly uh, got introduced to him when I got hired, and my dad got me the job through a state representative or whatever. So I probably uh, otherwise he wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. But he just said, you know, like nepotism you, uh, exactly <laughs> at its best. And, um, and like you, I, I I actually didn't have any preconceived notion. But uh, I, I had you heard of this him, little guy? Yeah, yeah, I, I I certainly had heard of him, and, and that he was the boss man, and that. They had what they call the White House administrative mm-hmm. building, and he's behind the big desk. And he got up and shook my hand, and and like I said, he was short in stature, kind of like Santa Claus with the, the gray hair and the glasses, and of that accent, right? And, <laughs> hey, Mister Overton, how you doing? And and uh, I know you're going to do me a good job, blah blah blah. Yeah. And so, um, I was originally stationed after I got out of the academy 
at the largest rec room at DCI Mm -hmm. instead of being put on a dorm. And and the first time I saw him, and actually, yeah, I'd see him from time to time. I work nights. I very seldom would see him, but I'd see him from time to time. I had to open the door, let him through. And I always remember my name, and and he'd go on about his business. But at the time, um, DCI had a crawfish plant, okay, where the – that's like the field workers at Angola. Mm-hmm. They had to work 12-hour shifts, and they ran it 24 hours a day during crawfish season, and they would bring in 18 wheeler loads of sacks of crawfish, and they boiled them there. That's like gold and, in Louisiana. Well, I know, I know. <laughs> but look, so they, they boiled them there, and they they um, they had to peel 16 pounds of just crawfish meat. They weighed it at the end of the 12-hour shift, and if you didn't get your 16 pounds, they put you in the hole. You working? You working? Yeah. You're, I mean, you're not pulling them like I pull them with your teeth. Yeah. You're pulling them each little individual one. Wait, so, so would they would they um, raw raw peel them, or were they boiling no, no, them? No, and they then were boiling them. They were boiling them, and they would peel them out, and then they would take them right there in the same building, and they would uh, flash vacuum freeze seal them, flash freeze them, and and they they were sold in. All of, yeah, that's uh, great. All through Louisiana yeah. in the seafood section, but it didn't say came from a prison. <laughs> it just said Louisiana seafood, whatever, right? So long story short, the inmates decided they were going to buck up, and then they went. They, they weren't going that night to work. And then I, so I did work call, crawfish plant, let's go, because they had to come through the workroom off the off mm-hmm. the dorms. And they piled up in the back of the, the rec room and said, we're not going. So you're not going. Said, nope, we're bucking up. We're not going. I said, great. I hit my pager, and Captain Ray Newman ends up coming to the door, and he's like, what's going on? I said, they refused to go to work. And, and he told them, said, yo, get to work. And they said, fuck you. We're mm-hmm. not going. So he said, I'll be back. And so he, had, he went and called it in, and Burl evidently hadn't left yet. Burl came in with the assistant wardens. I, I forget who they were. I think Jim and LeBlanc was one of them. Mm-hmm. The, um and they all came through the door, and he said, Sergeant Overton, what's, what's going on? He said, they bucking up, and he, they all could hear him. I said, yes, sir. He said, I want you to go over there and grab, give the first one you see a direct verbal order to report to work. And when he says no, then here's some handcuffs. Lock you cuff his ass, <laughs> and we're going to swing him. And we gonna say, he said, we're going to see how – and they got all here. Yeah. We're going to see how long this lasts. And they were like, we ain't going, we ain't going. So I walked up to <laughs> the first guy, and I said, I'm giving you a direct order. Get to that door. Go to the crawfish plant. Go to work. He said, I ain't going. I said, then you're under arrest. Turn around and put your hands behind your back. Cuffed him up, got him out, and guess what? They started. I started lining up. I said, I said, Give me a direct reward to go to work. It's like, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> they all followed it. They didn't even know Burr was there. Yo, he wasn't playing. That and, 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 and Burr was like, the situation handled. And that could turn into a real shit show. Yeah. yeah. Right? But it, he said, just get one. And and 
I did, and, and that's how he handled it. Well, they're going to test you, right? That's an awesome well, story. They, were, they weren't testing me. They were testing the system. Well, and, and, yeah. And, and they were like, oh, yeah, we ain't going. We ain't going. No, no, we're bucking up. And, it's like a bunch of kids till daddy walks in. So, yeah. <laughs> and my Burl showed up, and he, he gave me the instructions, not the captain, yeah. anybody else. He said, you handle this. I said, yes, sir. And I did it, and afterwards he said, more than one way to skin a, a fish in the sun. Oh, said, man, yes, that is yes. a freaking and, great story. Uh, Indeed. The another time, oh well, the reason I got put on the working cell block for so long, um, the it was a somebody did something, cursed me or something. And I was in the rec room. It was still early in the evening. Uh, it was summertime because the rec yard was still open, and I just come on show. And it might have been an account or something. I told her to do whatever. And he said, fuck you. And he walked through the dorm and out into the rec yard. I can't leave my post, right? Mm-hmm. So I had hit the pager. Ray came in. I told him what happened. Captain did. And he went out there and he got him and he brought him back in and it put him in the hole. And, uh, of course, I had to write him up. He said, next time it happens, Woody, you give them a direct verbal order and they don't obey, use whatever force necessary to take the situation under control. I'm like, okay. Right. Duly noted. <laughs> Shit, it wasn't a week later. It was a Sunday night. I was closed down rec room for everybody but the trustees who were up for um, whatever. Whatever reason, a yeah. couple of them were allowed to stay up. And I told them to catch the house. It's going to you know, lights out, whatever time, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, whatever it was. And this one dude was standing on the back wall by the water fountain. He had his foot up on the wall, and he leaned back like this, arms crossed. And I'm walking around, and herding them into the dorms and uh, and he's just looking at me like I'm stupid and I said hey man catch your house he said fuck you (laughs) I said no fuck you catch your house he said fuck you so I hit the pager and I said you're under arrest and you come with me and he turned around and he went on the dorm well Ray Newman's words kicked in my head and I said stop and he's and he's he ignored me. So I go into the dorm. The dorm's going to run like this and this, and the sergeant's desk up there with two sergeants, one to watch each dorm. And I went in there, and I tackled his ass. <laughs> and we went to fist fighting. Uh-oh. I'm talking about, like, fisticuffs. I mean, it, you know, all that defense tactic bullshit they teach you. That goes out the window. It goes out the window. You get punched one time, you punch it back, right? Yeah. So we're literally fist fighting. I'm not thinking of the repercussions that could have happened, but – Captain Noon said when he hit that door, rec room door, and it's a big rec room, he said he hit the rec room door and he couldn't see me. He said he knew sugar to turn to shit. And, yeah. and, he, and he ran back to me. Uh, one of the sergeants had got off the desk and was, was trying to help me. The other one was just frozen in fear. And hmm. anyway, long story short, we would get him cuffed up. Uh, that one that froze in fear got fired, one of the only fireable offenses on yeah, the spot for failing to uh, help another officer. But besides, like, if you get caught having sex or, or bringing in drugs, otherwise it's civil service. But anyway, I want to start short. Get it out. Ray was like, brought me into the captain's office, got somebody to relieve me, lieutenant, on my post. And he was like, man, I can't believe you did that. You could have started a ride. And da, 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 da. I said, motherfucker, you told me to do it. Yeah. And he's like, bro, you got to go home. I'm like, I'm getting fucking fired for doing what you told me to do? He, it, was, it was a Sunday night. He, he said, you got to go home. He, he said, I'll call you at home. We didn't have cell phones. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, I'll call you at home later. And I got home, and he called me. He said, you need to be in Ward Kane's office first thing in the morning. Which and your butthole went, oh! Commonly referred to as, <laughs> as, as, as being called on the carpet. Yeah. I, 
I was more pissed than anything. I'm like, fuck it. I'm, I'm getting fired for this bullshit. Motherfucker told me to do it. And, and so I go in and I was there and, and they called me in his office and Ray was there and, and a couple of, uh, I think Jimmy LeBlanc was there. The, and they said, Gordon sitting behind his desk and said, lean back kind of like Mr. Kearney's chair. He said, Sergeant Overton, tell me what happened. And I told him just what I told y'all. And he said, well, shit. And he didn't say shit. He said, well, son, you did exactly what you were supposed to do. I said, well, thank you, Warden. He said, but you could have caused a riot. I said, yes, sir, <laughs> but I, I, he told but me to do it. did you die? No. He said, he said, you're right. He said, you're absolutely right. And he said, I like the initiative. He said, but what I'm going to do, and I'm going to send you somewhere where you could fight every day. Because I, <laughs> I, was, I was a pretty big, like, 250-pound, swole-up dude. Like I that. can't imagine and, that. And he said, I'm going to send you somewhere where you could fight every day. But he said, you're not going to have to go out of your way to look for fighting because these boys are going to give you enough trouble. And, you know, somebody's going to give you enough trouble. Yeah. Every day you're going to have to put hands on them. And that's when I got, went to the work and sell block, which, is you know, is a 90-day extended lockdown uh, without any high-court or low-court write-ups. And so – if you're in there on your first day and you get a write-up, you got to do your whole 90 days before you go before the board, mm. and they're automatically going to turn you out. So they act to ask the rest of the time anyway. And uh, all the cell extractions and the, the fighting and everything we had to do, and, the, and I, I never had a an issue with any of that, right? God, I did it legal. I, did, I wasn't an asshole, I didn't, and I didn't do anything that wasn't deserved. Sure. Um but while I was on that cell block. I bet you, wait, I bet you that dorm. I'm just thinking about, they were like, what the hell when they, they saw they, white well, boys yeah, the, 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 And the thing was, it, the, the white boy is a good-looking white. I'm not saying I was, oh, I was good-looking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but a white boy, a physically fit white boy working as a correction officer, they, they automatically assume you're gay or they tried you for being gay, right? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I'll prove that point to that they were wrong. But, but I was on the, the working cell block, and I had the A and the B tiers, and I had two admin sec tiers. And the one that was facing the, um, I think it was A tier, facing the prison. So the the back of the dorms three and four, and that side of the prison, it has a constantina wire. Yeah. And then the working cell block has its own uh, wire enclosure and constantina wire and all that. And so they're facing, it's a long row of cells, um, two men to a cell, and they have windows, and that's which are facing the the yard. I get there at six o'clock, right at six o'clock. I'm making my first count and going down, and they got to be silent during the count. During the count, and look, I had respect. These they knew when I walked on the tier. If I said hold the noise, you shut the fuck up because if you didn't, I was gonna put the pen and paper on you, and then we're coming back to sell extract you later on, right? Uh, um, but when the new ones would come back. They would egg them on. When I came yeah. on, they'd be like, hey, this white boy's come on. He's a bitch. You need to buck up <laughs> on him. Bunch of teenagers. And they, they, they were doing it because they knew I was going to go be like, okay, you know, fuck you. Go down and write them up, pop them through the thing, give them about 30, 45 minutes to get riled up, flood a cell, whatever you want to do. But we're coming in and get that ass because you had to be removed from that to put on admin sec. Yeah. Wait for your court hearing. So anyway, I'm, I'm making – the count, and I got to respect that out of like 90% of them. Uh, and, you know, then that, they all start hollering and cheering. And I'm like, what the fuck? I said, hold the noise, hold the noise. And they wouldn't. And they were hollering and cheering. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? 
And and so I, I made my count, and, it, and I'm like, I you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and just scream and break. Right. And I can't arrest every motherfucker on the tier. So I go off. Um, Which they, they call me on the on the intercom, and they say, "Come to come to the front." At the front, and Miss Shirley, a black lady, was working the control center, and she said, "You got anybody out in the yard?" Because they had one, a yard, but the yard wasn't even by the window where it was at. It was at the end of the tier. I said, "No," and that door was locked. And she said, "I said why?" She said, "Because we just got a call of an inmate on the yard," and I'm like, "No, not." Not mine. I, I, I did yeah. the physical count, and my people were there. I said, but they were all down there screaming. You could still hear them hooting and hollering. And and I'm like, what's going on? And then, a, like, 10 seconds later, comes out, inmate escape, right? Mm-hmm. So, actually, two inmates escape. And what it was, they, they 24 hours, seven days a week, they had to figure out how to get over. Right where the working cell block was, on the other side of the fence were the the regular compound fence was they had where the post met there was a, a gap in the concertina wire mm. and so this white guy and a black inmate uh, um, both used that time because they had to go in for the six o'clock count uh, off the yard of the summertime and they used that time to run and they they, they jumped and, the fence the right there go? so they jumped the fence wait listen they jumped the fence right in front of my fucking my, that tear and they saw them and, and, and that's why they were doing <laughs> all this they, they, they were holding like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I didn't know I didn't fucking see them I wasn't looking out the window yeah and um, so they ran now everybody gets called out whole prison goes on a shutdown Burl comes out all the wardens come out chase teams out I they know. set up the printers they know how far they can go etc and I'll never forget the um well I, I'm getting ahead of myself everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But this went on all weekend. And they caught um, the white guy like on Saturday. And I'll never forget when they called him. The chase team called him. And they somebody had a hot mic. And when they called him... Uh-oh. It was going down. All of the cursing and the, mm-hmm. the beating thumps and everything <laughs> else. And, and I was like, holy shit. And so Burl came in. Uh, it was after dark by this time. It, 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 they called him when I was on shift, so it was after 6 o'clock. And Burl came in a couple hours later, and he's got all the security around him, and he's dragging this dude, and he's got all the briar scratches on his face. A little bitty white guy. And he brought him in, and the, the first – Admin sect here had the windows that face that you could still see where that spot was, and he put him in in I think it was a one the first cell, and he and and I said open the door, sergeant, open, and I called for it to be open, and he and he they had him take the cuffs off of him, and he said, boy, I'm putting you here for this reason. See that fence where you went over? He said every morning when you wake up. That's going to be the first thing you see. And every night before you go to sleep, it's going to be the last thing you see, that spot where you went over the fence. And hmm. said, you're never going to forget it. Now, check this out. 
that dude was like short timer. He had like fifteen days till he got Ooh, out. Oh, would they add? Uh, what an the, idiot! The, the, but but, and the story gets a little bit better. The um, the so my one of my dudes was taking a nurse around, and he and they he kept him permanently in that cell, and they ended up catching the, the black guy on Sunday in a traffic stop or whatever. The uh, the. That guy had full blown AIDS in the early nineties. Was you were going to die from the white much. guy did. Yeah, and and so I I knew I he I knew this because uh, I had to assist the nurse and give him his AZT or whatever it was mm-hmm. they were using at the time, and he had full blown AIDS. And another time, uh, a couple months later, the I was on coming on duty, making my six o'clock round, and I hear Lieutenant Barlow hollering over the thing, over to get over, oh, get over here. And I run over to where he is. He's at that guy's cell. Doors open. He's got a string around his neck. Now he did. Oh, and he'd been on suicide watch for mm. months now. Mm. Meaning he had no mattress, no nothing. And you're supposed to shake a cell down as soon as you get there. Well, I hadn't even got to make it around. I mean, I just got there and making my first count on starting with the work of cell blocks and work my way around. But Barlow had gone down and, uh, this four way had cameras. They, mm-hmm. they didn't have cameras on tears or anything like that. He'd gone down and saw him down on the floor. And when I got there, his face was almost black. It was so dark blue. And he had had somebody, some trustee, passed him a little bitty string that they used to tie up the sheet bundles. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have bars. They had screens in the cell. And he took that and he tied it to the, to the screen. He tied it around his neck. And he leaned forward to hang himself. Not off the ground, just lean forward. What happened was the string broke, but not before he passed out, and it did break off his neck. And so he's laying there. His face is black. He's got white foam in his mouth, and we didn't have any protective gear yeah. like the shit they have now. But you put it in the mouth and the plastic shit to guard you, like the one way. And, and yeah. Barlow's like, you know, uh, and Lieutenant Barlow. I'm sure he's retired, if not dead by now, but the, 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 a great guy. And he said, you know CPR, don't you? You know CPR? I said, yes, sir. And he, he said, give it to him. I said, I said, fuck that motherfucker. He's going to die. Because <laughs> I know he's got full blown yeah. He's got the foam around his mouth. I ain't fucking giving him CPR. Yeah. And, and But he was already dead. Uh, so that's a, how I ended up back there. And that's how Burl Kane was. I'm going to tell you something. Burl Kane didn't play. No. When he brought him back there, he was pissed. And and you, <laughs> I think, other than an attack on an officer, the, you escaped. That was his big pet peeve. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, very interesting. And before you get into some of your cool stuff, um, you know, what intrigues me for, for those of you that, that aren't familiar with KJ, I know there's not many of you out there by now, but um, she's young when she goes to work at Angola. Attractive, great-looking chick goes in there. Don't take a picture of me today. I don't have my hair brushed or makeup. So the cool thing about KJ is she's she's the real deal. Um, a lot of a lot of messages that she gets on her podcast, that, you know, that I see because I produce that podcast or um, how badass she is. Oh, my God. And, and she really is, though. She's the real deal. And KJ will will jerk you up in a second if she has to. Um, but even for someone as badass as KJ, at that age, were you intimidated of Angola? Was it something that uh, – do you remember any kind of fear when you first started working there? Was it more excitement? Um. Th- 
So, good question. I was not, I think I was too young and stupid to be fearful of the inmates. I was yeah. more enthralled with, wow, these are the bad guys I read about, you know, and I'm like right. looking at them and how they live. I was more nervous about disappointing or making a mistake. Right. Yeah. Um, because I knew that this was a high stakes game that I was in, and it's not a job where you make a mistake and you get fussed at and you move on. I mean, it could be life or death. Right. And, um, that's a great point. Actually. You or anyone else. Yeah. Um, and your action or inaction can cause somebody else a lot of harm. And um, But, no, I was so young back then. I, I was I was young and excited and didn't really – I don't think I understood what I wa- walked into. Yeah. It's looking back at it, you know, now I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> you know, like some <laughs> of the stuff I said and did, I'm like, oh, my God, child, no. But yeah. there's no – there's no um, – there's no – Nothing that can take the place of experience. Right. Sure. You right. learn. I mean, learn on it. Learn as you go. Yeah. Um, back to Burl real quick. Mm-hmm. The I had a, or I should say, he respected me enough. He, he knew I respected him. He respected me enough. He got me to do some things I'm not even talk about on the air mm-hmm. uh, uh, <laughs> within the prison system uh-huh. that that I mean, he actually called me to the White House and was like, hey. I want you to take care of this for me. Yes, sir. And, and you know, and, and but well, I'm, I'm not saying it's anything illegal or whatever, but I'm right. not going to talk about it. But the deal being is that dude always had my respect. Yeah, mine so too. So many levels. But he, I think, I like to think that I talk to people uh, the way I want to be talked to, et cetera, and I respect people until you uh, prove, me, prove me otherwise. And I know that's what he did to me, and out throughout my career, wherever I was, whatever department, et cetera, I always like to watch other people work mm-hmm. and I glean what I consider their best shit and, and adapted and made in mine. And I made so much of mine off of Burrow, especially on how I interacted with people. Uh, but just because I'm interacting with you and I'm starting out low doesn't mean I'm not going to flip the switch. Yeah. And, 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 and and do it within the legal grounds and everything else. And that's what I gleaned from Burl. And I would add on that. I still add on to this day. So he really, really was one of my most major influences in my entire career. Wow. There was a guy, and I can't remember his name. He, I remember he was a major, and he worked on the working, I mean, on the um, cell blocks at main prison. Um, and I always liked when he was on shift and he never knew it. I never said a word to him, but it was a tall black gentleman. Um, it was a major, like I said, and, um, high and tight, man. He smelled good. His uniform was high and tight, crisp hair was cut. And when he walked, he didn't say much, but when he spoke, people listened. Yeah. And it was one of those things that. Really, he impressed me. I wish I could remember his name. Um, he was, you know, he's got to be retired now. But um, that guy impressed me too. I would watch how he worked. I would watch how he went when he stood at the bars and the inmates were speaking to him. He didn't say much. He listened. He didn't say much. Right. But when he did respond, that was it. Right. And right. then he moved on. Well, and, and and back to because I, I, you know, told him we were going to talk about Burl a little bit. Yeah. The, uh, so you just reminded me, I did have a lot more interactions with him, especially when I was on the WCB, because he would Working come cell block. He, and, and, yeah. and admin sex. He would actually come back there and make rounds uh, every once in a while on the evening shifts. And look, uh, convict won't talk to him. 
he'd stop and talk to them. Yeah. And, and, he, and they'd be like, Warden, I got, you know, and they can't believe they're getting to talk to the man, right? Mm-hmm. And Warden, I got this grievance, I got this. And he's like, well, you know what you need to do. You file you an art. This, and you but know you what? Better... I'm going to read it and and da da da. And if and you're bullshitting me, I'm going to remember if it. If you're bullshitting me, then I'm going to handle that too. And, yeah. and don't, don't waste my time and I won't waste yours. But if you got a good grievance, then we're going to address it. Yeah. yeah. There's respect in that um, because. He was diplomatic in right. the way that he did. Now, honestly, y'all, I was a nobody when I was there. Right. I didn't have privy right. information. To, she was not. I, well, I was a class. I was classification. Yeah, right. I mean, I was classified, but I was not like up at the White House. For the listeners, this is kind of interesting. Um, there's a book that he wrote called uh, Kane's Redemption. Yep, I have it. Yeah, I've read it. Great I actually um, use it in my class and have the students read certain chapters because mm-hmm. I believe he's the only warden. Um, to have ever seen all three methods of death penalty, hanging, yep, exactly execution, right. and lethal injection. Um, but there's some good stories in there. But the, he also talks about his faith and that you've got to have faith behind bars. And I appreciate him for that because he tries to turn um, positives out of negatives and give people the ability to change. Um, but he, if you don't want to change, he will recognize that in you. And that's a wrap. I remember one time, and tell me if I've told this story before. No, um, matter. Go I remember one time I was working the rodeo. Um, so there's the Angola rodeo. And, you know, that's a big deal for inmates. It's kind of a break from the everyday norm. They mm-hmm. are able to make money with their hobby craft that they make. And you have to behave. Yeah. And we, we just talked about on, that on yeah. Burl's episode, the third episode that dropped. Um, today when we're recording this. Mm -hmm. And you don't want that taken away, right? So you're going to behave so that you don't lose it. But sometimes um, the assholes behind bars don't care. They do what they want to do anyway. So um, I just happened to be standing there, and I was just in awe of it, even though it was just one or two sentences. But um, it was me and another major, I don't remember his name, but – we were standing there. We were discussing something because I was escorting HBO around while they were filming and making sure that the inmates didn't, you know, act stupid. Um, but um, another rank walked over, and he had Warden Kane with him, Uh-oh. and they started talking. And I'm just standing there because I'm like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, like Warden oh, One. What's going down? Warden what you need? One. I'm gonna jump on a horse and I'm gonna go lasso somebody. Uh, you know, right, like right, what you need? You I'm do. there for you. Um, but. Very calm and collected. Uh, the rank guy said, look, we kind of have an issue at the gate. And he said, what, what's going on? And the rank said, um, we have some – I take that back. It was not the rodeo. I, um, it was the Returning Hearts program at the rodeo grounds. And that's a program where the dads get to come and um, – or the dads are there. But their kids get to come, and they're trying to tell these inmates, you have to be a part of your kids' lives, even from behind bars. And they can play games, and they can hang out with – less restriction like in the visiting hall that sorry but it was on the rodeo grounds right. and uh they said okay what's the issue and um the guy said um you know so and so whatever the inmate's name was he said yeah and um he said his kids are here and warden kane said okay and they said well we had to lock him up on a um i think it was a sex offense like it was a yeah, serious offense sense. and he was like all right well and, and they said but the kids just drove like five hours because he never told his kids that he was on lockdown because yeah. he was trying to play the system and right, say, oh, right, well, they got to yeah. bring me to the program. And uh, Warden Kane, you know, he didn't make much facial expression. He just kind of stared at the, the rank for just a second and looked at him. And then he just in thinking turned and looked at me. And I was I just 
stared back, you know. You slugged down in a way. And don't look at me. I'm like, who's ass you need me to beat? I'm here. I'm here. You know, I'm five foot four, but I'm six eleven in, in, in uh, you know, in my mind. But um, and then he just looked back at the rank and he said, "That's all right. Let him out." Hmm. And the rank said, "What?" He said, "Let him out." Let him come spend all the time that he wants with his kids. I'm not punishing those kids. And right. that that line just that hit me in the so heart. Classic. He said, I will not punish those kids. Yeah. Let them see their daddy. And then I probably shouldn't repeat this, but I will. He yeah. said, and then when they leave, mm-hmm. please make sure he knows during his escort that his ass is mine. <laughs> and I was like, oh, player. Right, right. That's so classic. That gave me- yeah, know. that's that's like, really cool. That's uh, just just a genius. Right? It's wow. genius. And, uh, and, You're not going to punish those kids. And respect and, and, and maybe those kids took some, something away from them that day that, that we'll never know about, right? Right. But Burl was like, mm, yeah. Let him out. Yeah, yeah. The right thing right. to do is this right. and then right. after I'm going to take care of it. And, and I'm sure he was miserable for a long time. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. And I don't mean physical, physical ass is mine. I mean, no. you know. Yeah. And and let's, we get it. Let's yeah. touch on this before before we close, uh, because there's a lot of controversy always has surrounded Burl, and and anybody in the position of power is going to have somebody that's going to hate you on. You nailed it. And yeah. and but I'll tell you the allegations. You know, the shit that I heard over the years at DCI, like and and about using shit for personal gain. Like there was a rumor that it, one comic said that worked at Calborn said every time uh, two calves are dropped, one goes to Burl's property in Texas and one becomes a state property state of Louisiana. Right. Well, it's just fucking li- a, a yeah. lie. It's just bullshit. Right. right? And never, but you can't unring the no, bell. So once but you it, start the rumor, people believe it. It's just, but well, it, and never bought into it, and we were talking about this earlier. Yeah. You each put yourself in a, in a position of public anything, like you are now in the podcast, yeah. and Jim also. You, you're gonna have haters, and they're gonna say shit. And you know what? Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, it's just best to ignore it because you know who you are. Uh, and, and you're not a hater, bitch. You're a fan. Like if right, you spend right. that much yeah. time on me, what I'm talking about on all the shit <laughs> that I heard on Burl yeah. over the years. I mean, first of all, he's no dummy. Yeah. Okay? And secondly, he. I mean, he's not a billionaire who who made uh, right. Yeah. Do I believe he passed? I know he passed up being the. Um, Secretary for Department of Corrections mm-hmm. and, let, and let LeBlanc have it because he believed in what he was doing in Angola. Mm-hmm. Other people say he passed it up because he was making too much money, pocketing too much money off yeah, Angola. Okay, and then in his career when they brought all these allegations against him about misuse of rodeo funds and all this stuff and all this stuff and all this stuff. Like they don't get audited. Happened? Guess what happened? No, I got this money. Yeah. Well, and, and, and but he had had enough, and that's why he went to Mississippi. Yeah, but, I mean, so at some point, you right. just got to say, you know, well, this ain't worth it. Right. I mean, just right. it, you know, being attacked from every angle, right. and, and I'm out here changing. Right. I, I spent my whole life life in this. And, yeah, and, and, he brought the life. church to Angola. Yeah, yeah. now he they have the like culture. forty churches. Yeah. yeah, and we talked about the church, uh, the the biggest church, the, the Alamo, Alamo Church, yesterday yeah. on on the episode that y'all are hearing today. Um, so I just want 
get that out there because I know some of our listeners are going to be like, oh, well, you know, I heard Burl's dirty and I heard this. Well, well if you weren't there, whatever. then you heard. You yeah, didn't right. witness, That's you know. Right, right. And I'll tell you this, too, about him that I respected. And it, it, it isn't because it was me, but it was just my personal interaction. Um, there was a warden that I liked on the West Yard. Um, tall, I'm not going to say his name, but tall, strapping, black um you know, man, and he was the warden over. And I just thought so much of him. I respected him. I liked the way he carried himself. And I was like, this, these are the people, man, you know, that, that know what they're doing. And um, I got called in one day by him and he blew me down, man. He, I got an ash chewing like I had never had before. And maybe because I was young, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. But at the time, that was the first time I'd ever been, quote unquote, in trouble at work. I I didn't. Um, and I'm looking at him, and I didn't really argue with him. But what he was saying I did, I absolutely did not do. Right. It was not me. It was about paperwork that had been given out that should not have been given to inmates. I, I know what I do on the daily. Right. That I did not do. Right. Um, and so I just said, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, because I didn't really know what right. to say. Um, and I walked out. And it hurt my feelings, sure, <laughs> you know, yeah. because yeah. I wanted so bad. I'm a right fighter, and, and that's not always a good thing. But I want to be like, that was not me. You right. can come see what I did. Um, now, what I did do was create a sheet, which I probably shouldn't have done, but I don't care. Um, and th- when they would request, li- inmates would request library time to go to the library, it was always them handing me little sheets of paper and me writing notes everywhere. So I went and created a spreadsheet, and I made them like this little log that they would fill out for me. And I worked so efficiently with it. And one of the other people that was a classification officer got shitty with me over that. I'm like, bitch, if that's your problem, right. you need to get somewhere, right. you know, get out of here. But anyway, um, but this I didn't do, but what are you going to do? Right. All right, whatever. I'll move on. I didn't even know what the form was and that disturbed me. So when I went, not, I'm never going to let something go. When I went back to my office, I started calling around and saying, what is this form? Who, where does it start? Why would it be here? Like, I, you know, and I finally tracked down where it came from and who handed it out. I didn't go whining to anybody. I just, for me, needed to know how I got tied up in it. Right. And it was because someone was a jerk. It right. was, you know. Right. Anyway, so um, uh, probably that same day, if not the next day, I mean, I got my butt chewed. I was walking out of the A building, main, main prison, and Warden Kane was standing there. And um, I was like, oh, hi, you know, and he said, Kelly, right? And I was like, oh, my, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. He said, oh, I need to talk to you for a second. And, y'all, my heart dropped into my butthole. And I hadn't done anything, but I was like, shit, if I'm accused of this, what else could I have done that I didn't do, you know? And I immediately think, like, I'm going to prison. I don't know. I'm already there. Um, and he said, I need to ask you about Warden so-and-so. And I said, okay. And he said, tell me about him. But Open-ended that was it. Right. Yeah. And I said, um. I think he's a great warden. He said, you like him? I said, mad respect. I think he's doing his job. I think that he is fair. Now, in my heart, I felt like what had happened to me was unfair, but I felt like he was a fair man. And I just had nice things to say. And he kind of shook his head, and he said, okay, I've gotten what I need. And he walked off. And I remember just standing there going, why the hell are you asking me? I'm I'm a nobody. Um, And then I don't know if it was the same day or the next day or whatever when he was working. um, He called me. The other warden called me in. He said, I need to talk to you. And I was like, I'm so tired of being spoken to. <laughs> I, I quit. Oh, my God. I just sent him to the library. You know? <laughs> and uh, he said, I, I want to apologize, number one. Um, I think they were testing me. I yeah. really do. Yeah. He said, because I know you were not the one who handed that form out. But I had never gone back and said anything. Mm-hmm. And then he said, and I know you spoke to Warden Kane. And I was like, you did? 
you do? And he's like, yeah. And I appreciate that because I appreciate what feedback you gave. Right. Then I thought, okay, whew, my name's cleared. I didn't yeah. do anything. But looking back on it, I'm kind of like. It's a test. I don't know. I, don't know. Yeah, I, think, I think that probably. He, he listened he, to what that, I had to that, say. Yeah. Probably he actually found out that, you know, you weren't the culprit. And I used to say, unfortunately, uh, some of the correction officers you work with are worse than the convicts. And they and, are. And, and, <laughs> they uh, are. But the best people in the world, too, right? But right. Uh, good, bad in their profession. But you better believe that. And I'll end it with this. Yeah. We'll end this episode with this. Burl was such a master of what he did because he had his pulse on everything. Now, didn't mean he micromanaged, but he surrounded him smart enough to surround himself as any good leader is with the best people. Yes. Doesn't mean those people aren't going to mess up or violate your trust at some points, whatever. Say so you, they can tell you, Hey, this is going on, whatever you take it with the word. And, you know, somehow Burl heard something about that situation. I, and, 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 he wanted to see. I if you were getting tested by anybody, you were getting tested by Burl mm-hmm. because Burl wanted to see is, is she going to carry a grudge? Is she going to pitch a bitch fit or whatever, whatever? And when you just gave the guy his props in the proper area, he are first of all. He also, yeah, he, I got taken out to lunch the following week by a warden in the middle of the day, mm-hmm. and nothing happened. We just sat there and mm-hmm. talked and chit chatted. That's, like that's like I give this girl. A little pat on the back. Is that what it Ross, is? Yeah, well, yeah, thank you. Yeah. All these years later. Yeah. And so, but anyway. thank you, Warden One. Thank you. <laughs> so I think he's a, um, a legend. I know he's a legend in his time, and I, I, you, he's probably impacted so many lives and ways. Oh, never you, yeah, know. yeah. Uh, just uncountable. You can't measure he, that. He did exactly yeah. what God put him on the surf today. That's right. And, and this series was fire. Loved it. And we, thank you for coming in. And, and I hope y'all, patron members, uh, got to glean a little bit more than the rest of the people. That's uh, right. Uh, um, and hear those stories. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for supporting us. And yeah, if we owe you something, let us know. Um, but the show couldn't run without you. And we love and appreciate y'all. And KJ, thank you for coming in again. Uh, thank always you. my pleasure. Right. The unspeakable, unspeakable. one. <laughs> y'all, y'all go check it out. Follow her, like, subscribe. You won't be sorry. Absolutely. Be and sorry. until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Everton. Your host of Bloody Angola, a podcast 142 years in the making. Complete story of America's bloodiest prison. Peace. Just ask the Hill String Gang. Rang.